This is Ahead in Tech with me, your host, Sanjay Puswani. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm here today with uh, Nikita Rajput from the good old US of A. Nikita, hello. How are you? Hi, Sanj. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, and I'm excited, excited to be here. Excellent. Uh, it's my pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, so Nikita, a brief introduction to yourself. You're fairly early in your, in your career and you're pretty young, but we won't hold that against you. Uh, mm -hmm. dis despite that, you've done a lot of interesting things in, in your career. Um, you're a grad from Georgia uh, Institute of Technology. Um, you've had a lot of cool internships at companies like uh, Grubhub, Home Depot, Intel, and Salesforce, and you're now a full-time software engineer, a full-stack software engineer over at Salesforce. You've had a lot of involvement in the past with women in uh, tech initiatives, and you are yourself, of course, a woman in tech, and you run a pretty interesting podcast yourself as well. So we're <laughs> going to discuss all of those things today. Thank you. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm excited to, to dive deep into that. Does it sometimes, when you hear it back, does it kind of take you aback? all the things you've done? Uh, it really does. Um, it's, you know, it's funny for you to kind of put in that frame in that context, because I feel like there's a long way to go, a lot of uh, milestones still yet to, to be hit. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to, you know, definitely reflect on this journey. And what's been interesting is, uh, you know, through the, the lockdowns, the quarantines, you know, it's given me some time to, to really think about, uh, you know, my past and where to go from here. So thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited to be chatting with you on that. Awesome. Great. And and I agree. I mean, this will be helpful to people who are um, just slightly behind you, following in your footsteps, and also people who, like myself who are much, you know, ahead of you and also like probably two generations older than you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to sort of see how all the bright young upstarts are doing, you know, in our industry. Yep. Sounds great. So, so cool. So um, let's start from the beginning. Tell me about some of your internships. I mean, how do they happen? And then like, what are they like? Because, you know, obviously I'm from the British system, you're from mm. the American system. So this will be very interesting to hear your perspective. I'm not really sure how things work out there. So I guess I, I can go a little bit back to, to think about uh, my journey in technology and how it all kind of really started. So, um, you know, as a, as an like my last year of high school is when I start, you start applying to colleges and nowhere did I even briefly think about computer science, actually. It's the funny thing. Uh, my head was, you know, deep in the sand with going in the, in the medical field. Uh, I was applying as a biomedical engineer or as a bio biology major at some of the schools here in the U.S. And uh, lo and behold, I got into Georgia Tech and, you know, during the orientation um like session that we have that's about a month out from the first day of school, first day of college. You know, they show you the curriculum that you had for me, particular as a biomedical engineer. And none of this struck me as interesting. It was just, you know, going over my head, and none of it was something that I, de you know, not even profoundly had any interest in. So, you know, then I kind of went back to the drawing board there and I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm, admitted to this great school, but what can I do that, you know, sparks my interest and my passion for helping people? And, you know, the answer to that was computer science. And I already had taken a few computer science courses like in, in high school, and I was quite familiar with like Java and Python. So it's kind of like a no brainer uh, to put the two together and, you know, request my major be switched to computer science. So, 
you know, right going to there, I think I was really surrounded by, you know, amazing uh, upperclassmen students and mentors who, you know, they talked about their experiences with internships. And there was a large, you know, community and push at Georgia Tech to speak to recruiters at different companies. Uh, we'd always have, you know, like in the lobby of the College of Computing, actually, we would have like uh, a company of the day almost where, you know, either like uh, usually a lot of local companies based out in Atlanta, like State Farm or Chick-fil-A or Home Depot, they'd come out uh, to the lobby and they'd, you know, chat with the students. They'd have engineers working full time at those companies chat with the students. And through all those like conversations, as well as like, you know, career fairs, uh, you know, it was a very, the whole like internship uh, experience or opportunity was very much encouraged, uh, if not uh, readily available. So um, I think that my environment had a lot to do with, you know, getting those er internships early on. Um, but again, oh, for some of the big fish companies that I really wanted to work at, you know, they're always like, you know, come back next year, you're just a freshman. And, uh, you know, th that's when I was like, okay, well, maybe I should strive for something that's maybe a bit more local and also something that I have, you know, a little bit more interest in. So that's where, you know, I kind of got my, my first internship at, over at Ingenious Med. Uh, this was following my freshman year. And that was particularly interesting because it combined kind of the two fields that I saw myself in technology and medicine or healthcare. So that was really special to me because not only, you know, was I working at a company that maybe was a bit smaller, so I'd have a bit more familiarity with different folks in, in the company and the different organizations, um, but it was also just an awesome like internship program itself. Um, that was like fairly rotational and I got to kind of uh, have a have a small taste of various things like uh, integration, mobile, like mobile technology integration, mobile app development and, um, you know, doing some operational work as well, like as a technology, like analyst, uh, that type of work, data analyst as well. So I thought it was a well-rounded experience. Um, that actual internship, and it just kind of opened the doors for a lot more opportunities. Um, and I thought it was particularly special because it was almost like a startup-sized uh, company, but it was you know well established in like its tech stack. So I got to do things like iOS development and JavaScript development um, that really I think set a solid foundation for not only like programming and technical skills, but also those interprofessional skills, like soft, soft skills, giving presentations. I think that's all, you know, super critical to build as early as you can is, you know, what I've been able to pick up. So it was an awesome experience. And I highly encourage, you know, anyone to have an internship, no matter which company it is, it's at. I think being able to interface with, uh, experienced developers or experienced um, people in the industry, that's going to give you probably way more faster set of skills and knowledge than, you know, sitting in classes all day. So it's really special, I think, internships because you get paid to learn. And uh, I, you know, I think mm -hmm. that that speaks for a lot of jobs, but I think for internships more because you have that room to make mistakes and ask questions. And it's a really kind of special spot. Uh, you can have to boost the boost your career.
and now now that you've kind of settled into your first role, you know, it's it's very mm. early on, but looking back at those two experiences, your uh, education and those internships, to what extent do both of those help prepare you? I would say at the highest <laughs> levels possible. Um, I've just completed, oh, actually I have like, okay, yeah, I just completed like seven to eight months uh, in my full-time position. And especially having a internship in the same company that I'm at right now, uh, that also just incredibly accelerated my familiarity with like the tech stack and, you know, business values and objectives, as well as just the company culture. So I thought that was, you know, pretty special to have almost no need for a big transition from like interning to full-time because I stayed pretty much within the same company, but of course, different part of the company. Um, however, I would say, you know, leading up to this point, those internships where I got to, you know, have a taste in very different uh, technology stacks and languages, but as well as, you know, each company that I was at was solving a different problem. They were in a different space, you know, been in retail, hardware, um, and uh, healthcare. So they're all various um, companies. But I think what's really similar about all of them is the fact that they are using technology to solve problems, business problems. And I think that comes to, you know, full circle at Salesforce, where I work at right now. And, you know, they like to claim that um, business is the greatest platform for change. And that is kind of accelerated through technology. So I think when it comes to obviously the, the technical skills, but alongside with that, some of the more critical thinking and um, design type of skills has also really been helpful to gain across those internship experiences and really put me in a position where I feel quite confident and I feel quite um, ready to take on and learn more and more every day. And you're fairly international as well, because you actually had a little stint in Shenzhen, am I right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was actually a quite immersive um, program I had, just to kind of give a little bit of uh, context for that. Um, during my time at Georgia Tech, I was part of a uh, technology and management minor program. It's the Denning Technology and Management. And it's an incredibly special program. If anyone listening to this is at Georgia Tech or is considering Georgia Tech as an undergraduate, I highly encourage you to apply and seek uh, that program because what's really special is that it combines a lot of interdisciplinary majors uh, and we work together. We're, we're sitting in classes like emerging technology, uh, product design and development. And part of that includes you know, this immersive program in Shenzhen it was a global leadership certificate program. And what was really cool about that is we were able to actually work and interface with students at the university. So they have a completely different upbringing and background than us. But what was really special was that we were able to come together and talk about uh, a um, case study that was either solved by like technology or certain business objectives and present that to our peers. So it's really special. I thought that, you know, you might this, you know, this group of people is like halfway across the world from you, but you're st still able to come together with your, you know, experiences and your thinking skills and your speaking skills and have a very productive and viable conversation. To me, 
growing up like in the US, that was just very like profound uh, experience because, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I wouldn't have people, you know, all of different backgrounds growing up here. I stayed in the, the Southern part of the US my, you know, my, primarily my whole life. So it was just absolutely exhilarating and, and eye-opening to see that how much we have in similar across the globe than different. And that just comes down to like, not to make this super deep or anything, but you know, human nature, we are more similar than different. So I, you know, that I had mm. so many like amazing takeaways from that experience in Shenzhen. And it's a beautiful city with so much like vibrance, vibrancy in the culture. And I honestly thought when it comes to technology, they're, you know, miles ahead of what uh, is here in the U.S. Um, I, I thought it was just amazing and really? brilliant to, to spend time there. Yeah, I, I, would, I could, you mm. know, I would as soon as things uh, are OK again, I would love to go visit Hong Kong and, and uh, Shenzhen. Yeah, absolutely. And was that your first time out of the U.S.? It was actually my, I guess you can say third time out of the U.S., mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely the most exciting time out of the U.S. for sure. Because mm -hmm. uh, I know some folks, you know, when they're in university, they go to a, like a study abroad program that either occurs like during a semester or a summer. But I definitely wanted to spend my summers like interning. So this was a way for me to kind of get that uh, experience abroad, uh, obviously not as time consuming. Uh, unfortunately, it was a very short trip, um, but I still had just amazing takeaways. And also what was cool about that trip is we were able to speak with uh, various companies uh, like DJI and, and, you know, tour some of their offices and, and speak with the business representatives there. And they were talking about what they work on and all the different technologies that they're using and solving uh, consumer and business problems there. So that was also incredibly insightful. Hey, you. Yeah, you watching this on YouTube or listening to the podcast. Just wanted to say thank you. You're the reason I'm creating this content and your opinion is really important to me. So I hope you're enjoying it. One of the best feelings is hearing from my audience. So please let me know what you like or don't like or whatever else you want to say. You can leave a comment below, tweet me at Ahead in Tech, or find lots of other ways to contact me on my site at aheadintech.com. You can also really help me grow by liking, sharing, or telling a friend. Thank you again, and back to the show. Tell me about um, your journey to your current uh, full-time, uh, full-stack software engineering role at uh, Salesforce. Because you did intern there before, so does that help? And what's the process like? Absolutely. I would say, you know, I think when it comes to, I guess, here in the U.S. and for an undergrad who's in computer science looking for, uh, you know, immediately graduating, like having a full-time job, more and more the trend that I'm seeing is that you really want your um, last internship, either, you know, the one, that, primarily the one that's uh, in the summer before the year you plan to graduate. So typically that's the summer before like your senior last year. And that internship is probably the most important because the trend that I'm seeing, at least here in the US, is that companies would much rather hire the new entry-level new grad engineers from their intern class rather than recruiting openly uh, all over again. And I'm definitely seeing that a, a bit more smaller companies um, I would say less so of like companies like Google or Amazon, Facebook, of course, big tech, but definitely companies like Reddit, Salesforce, Slack, um, Pinterest, Twitter, 
I think those are the type of companies that really like to just pull interns from their intern class rather than spending resources to recruit um, for full time again. So that kind of does put a bit more pressure to perform and um, really uh, stand up to the challenges that you're presented at your internship. But what it does is easily reward you uh, with a full-time offer at the end of the, the program. So I was very fortunate to have been in that position. The actual internship I had definitely set me up for success, especially when it comes to understanding how things work at the company, um, the business values, metrics, and of course, the company culture, I think has all really resonated with me uh, when starting my full-time job. And of course, I did openly recruit uh, that fall of my senior year for positions, you know, outside of Salesforce, um, you know, at different companies. So I did have a variety of like options and um, it was very uh, interesting to go through that recruitment process at various companies. But um, I guess people say there's no place like home and, you know, Salesforce really does feel like, uh, you know, a great home, home base and I can speak tons and tons about the culture at the company and why it really ultimately uh, led that to be my decision of where to end up full time. But um, you know, to speak a little bit about, a little bit about the process of like a full time gig uh, entry level, you know, you'd go through like a phone screening and several technical rounds, uh, technical interviews, and then perhaps a a, a hiring manager or behavioral interview. Uh, that's typically the route that. Uh, that I've seen. Because you had already interned there, uh, and like you mentioned before, uh, with internships, you, you're a known quantity. So it's, I guess, easier for them to take you on, right? It's less of a, a right. risk. Uh, when it comes to like fulfilling positions in the company, I think what happens to be sometimes the case is if the team that you interned with has an opening for like a full-time entry level, then chances are you'd be matched with that team just because you're familiar with that that team's um, workflow and of course the leadership on that team. Um, but I think, yeah, mm. it definitely is like a resourceful, maybe like HR uh, approach to things that they have here at companies. And I just see it being more and more the case, um, you know, as, uh, you know, opportunities in tech grow. They're kind of more focused on like the intern development and investing more in mm. an intern individual and then ultimately shape them for success later on at the company. It's just a trend mm. that I've been seeing. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an important thing. Everyone has to maintain healthy pipelines, right? And this is a fantastic way to do it. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more uh, with that. I'm curious, what are the key sort of standouts for you um, in terms of culture at Salesforce that uh, really draws you to it? I'm fascinated that you called it home because I think of some, some of my companies that I've worked for in the past the same way. I'm interested in your take on it. I think just like almost day one, walking into like Salesforce office as an intern, it was just uh, very much surrounded by, um, you know, positive energy, positive outlooks on, on the business and technology. And always kind of centering, you know, the core values of the company, which are like trust and equality at, at the forefront of everything that is practiced and preached there. So it was really refreshing to see that, you know, a company really uh, walk the talk 
or <laughs> I think that's the phrase to use, um, practice what they <laughs> preach. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, as, a, as an intern, I never felt like I was an intern, aside from all the cool intern things, like going on cool outings and stuff like that. But when it comes to like uh, what I was doing, um, you know, tech from a technical standpoint or what kind of feedback or contributions I was able to give, it didn't really feel like I was being treated as an intern or given busy work. I think I was given um, definitely projects that are impactful and uh, insightful for the business. Um, so, you know, that it was one thing, I guess, that really stood out to me was the fact that, you know, uh, equality and individuals um, at the company were really encouraged to be allies and to be open-minded. I thought that was really special because sometimes at work, you're just kind of put into silos. Um, But at Salesforce, I felt that it was really just kind of an open playground for you to interact and speak with others and work with others, as well as, you know, take stances from uh, like a personal development perspective where you could join and learn from groups, all sorts of people, veterans, uh, people of color, uh, females, um, you know, people of different, uh, even we have the, uh, like a fate, um, excuse me, a gen force, sorry. Gen force okay. is like a, uh, equality group at Salesforce, also known as employee resource groups at some other companies where, you know, you would talk to folks, of we celebrate, you know, all generations, all mindsets. Uh, I thought that was special because I know that some companies they have, you know, like an ageist problem uh, or like there's Mm -hmm. a big gap between different generations, but that was definitely like celebrated and encouraged uh, to, you know, close that gap at Salesforce. So I thought that was really unique and uh, reaching out across the aisle in ways that I've never seen before. So it was definitely refreshing. And that's why it kind of feels like home because um, it's a place where everyone is kind of welcomed and celebrated. And also, you know, the typical term that we call ourselves is Ohana, which means family in Hawaiian. So uh, that's kind of our culture. That's great. Sounds fantastic. I'm very happy for you. (laughs) Thanks. So tell me about some of your interests in terms of tech. I mean, you you mentioned uh, like uh, iOS dev and JavaScript. I think those are solid foundations. Um, what what sort of tech are you interested in working in? Yeah, I think that the I definitely agree. Like the foundations when it comes to like web and mobile development, they're definitely there. And you know, there's always uh, frameworks and open source frameworks, especially coming out with like the next iteration of those things. But I think in like the long term, I'm definitely passionate and excited about. Um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and how those are slowly being integrated in pretty much every digital interaction we have these days. Um, Things like natural language processing and uh, image processing and even uh, video processing. I think when it comes to kind of combining like usefulness and utility with that ease of AI, I think that's a very, you know, powerful combination and um, it's definitely making the world a better place. Of course, there are ca- caveats with that and uh, dark side to AI and machine learning, of course. Um, but when it comes to like the net net overall impact, I think that there is more good in those technologies. 
where are you going? I mean, I, I know it's extremely early days for you. You've got to absorb a lot of information, but do you have like a, a North Star you're following? Do you have a career plan? Yeah, I always, I always uh, kind of think about this uh, quite often, of course, you know, definitely early on in my career. Um, but, you know, that's where I really see like the world as my oyster. And um, when it comes to the future, I'm really kind of stuck between two main paths, which I feel like almost entry, almost every, excuse me, entry level developer might be um, leadership or, you know, technical, like being an architect or technically uh, savvy. So, um, you know, I, I am interested in kind of exploring the more business cases, but simultaneously, I'm also interested in exploring the, the almost greatest and latest technologies that that will surface. So, you know, I think I've spoken to a lot of folks um, who really encourage like a, a startup <laughs> or joining a startup or creating a startup and just having that entrepreneurship experience that you just learn a ton from, right? That you can't really necessarily get as a, as a software engineer alone uh, when it comes to thinking about like revenue and business value. And of course, like the impact that a product can have on the world think those things are very important. So while I don't necessarily know the finite answer to where I see myself, I definitely have a few like milestones I want to reach and experience uh, that I think will ultimately guide me to where uh, I see myself in the future. I for, of course, I'm very passionate about uh, technologies that empower um, people all over the globe. And, you know, when I come to think of like some awesome stories of some awesome companies uh, that have come out with, you know, solving an actual problem for people, I think of companies like, um, like Bumble, for example, it might sound very, my uh, surface level, like when you look at what the, what the company does, but when you look at like the impact and what it actually stands for, I think it's quite inspiring. Um, and also companies that uh, encourage, you know, health and technology, things like Fitbit, uh, when it comes to like the actual mission vision of a company, I think that's where my passions really lie. And of course, um, Anchor, the, you know, the, the, they're awesome platform and awesome company mm. that uh, I think is doing great things. So uh, yeah, I think it, it's a really combination of finding that actual passion and problem here in this world that I think, uh, you know, I'm really excited to solve one day. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you should definitely check out Enormous Issues, Audacious Ideas, a podcast from tech co-founder and friend of mine, Ria Naidu, on a mission to change the world by developing world-changing entrepreneurs. If you're interested in tech trends that are shifting the world as we know it and hearing from mission-driven leaders that are absolutely changing the game, go ahead and search for Enormous Issues, Audacious Ideas wherever you get your podcasts or follow Ria on Instagram at Audacious Ideas. So now, of course, Salesforce is a West Coast U.S. company, and you're currently in the East Coast. We are, of course, you know, hopefully in the tail end of a global pandemic now, which is forcing people to work remotely. Uh, but how has this experience been for you? So I consider myself still incredibly like lucky in this entire situation. Um, what's been good is that I have you know an awesome team and company that supports you know, work-life balance. So 
what's nice is that I tend to work like uh, West Coast hours primarily, kind of like a fusion between the two. So what's nice is that I'll start later in the day. So I'll have my mornings free to do some basic morning routine stuff like workout and and take care of like errands and things like that. So that's been really, you know, nice to have. Um, and of course that does come with like ending late in the day though. Uh, so, you know, it's still, you know, I'm working around like uh, creating that balance, but I think for the most part, it's I've been, I've been more than okay with that. Um, when it came to like uh, working remotely, right? Like the onboarding uh, situation, mm -hmm. You know, there there definitely are like pros and cons to on you know doing that virtually. It's nice to do things like asynchronously. So what happened before with like sitting in like hours and hours of meetings, like getting like your laptop set up, you can do it just now, like watching a video or following a set of instructions. So I think honestly, this pandemic has forced people to document things better, not just speaking like at Salesforce, but like overall in general. So I think that's been really nice. And it makes things a bit more accessible and on demand. Um, so I think that's been uh, super helpful. But of course, some of the, uh, I talked about this in like a, a podcast episode of mine called the Corona Commute. Um, but when, you know, it comes to like mm -hmm. picking up things uh, subconsciously um, on the, uh, like at work in the office, like picking up things like conversations, what people are discussing and talking about. I think those things are like what's missed out on and can maybe uh, fast track mm -hmm. like your uh, understanding of things. And of course, being able to just like turn around and ask someone a question that's like at the desk behind you versus now you have to like, uh, you know, chat with them and wait for their response and things like that. So there are pros and cons of it all. But I think the trend that I'm seeing at least is that remote work is the future uh, I think companies really understand that like you can give people the flexibility of like working at home and avoiding that you know physical commute, which is you know can definitely take a toll on people's like physical and uh, mental selves. So there's something special about just waking up in your sweatpants and <laughs> logging <laughs> on to work. So uh, you know there there's some value when it comes to remote work, but I think it should come with a balance of, you know, maybe interacting with people face to face every now and then. That's a great point that you make. You know, when I think back to my experiences um, uh, in senior roles, you know, you definitely have to keep one eye on the newer developers, make sure they have the work that they need and the support that they need and they're growing mm -hmm. and they're involved in things. And I know, I remember when um, the lockdowns first hit, I immediately kind of had a little mini panic for all the juniors. Mm. I was like, oh my goodness, how are they going to, how are they going to learn and grow? I mean, has, in terms of that, is it okay for you? Are, are, are there, are there things at, at, in place at work that make those interactions possible? Or are there like structures in place to help you carry on growing? I would say definitely. Yes. Um, at least in the position that, you know, I can only speak for myself. It's nice to, you know, what's really special actually about here at Salesforce is that when you do onboard, you're given a trail guide. And that person is like your buddy, your mentor, a person of contact that you can always constantly rely on and reach out to for anything. So usually this person is, um, you know, either the next senior uh, level, usually typically in like your company, sorry, excuse me, on your team, 
can I rephrase that? Usually this person is the next senior uh, on your team. So this person is quite familiar with the onboarding process as they've you know, recently gone through it, usually within the last year or two, and they can really be someone who to show you the ropes. So when I first onboarded virtually, I would have you know, hours, get to spend hours with this person just solely on work that's, you know, related to onboarding and getting familiar with the different uh, terms and uh, tech stacks and things like that, different products and objectives that the team's working on. So I thought that was really special that, you know, we did have this, you know, when I, as an intern, I did have this trail guide person. Um, but, you know, I think our interactions were more limited and actually, interestingly, virtually, I definitely spent more time with this with my trail guide. And um, this person is someone that you can constantly, you know, har not harass, but annoy with any of your questions. And, mm -hmm. you know, they'll be able to help you. And that's part of their role uh, as a trail guide. So it's a really interesting structure. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the day where I can be a trail guide for someone else. So I think that kind of culture, again, about like giving back and supporting one another uh, is kind of a self-fulfilling loop and cycle. That's fantastic. I think you'll make a fantastic trail guide. Maybe <laughs> maybe your future guidee is lis listening or watching this right now. <laughs> Do you think um, when the lockdowns and the restrictions ease that you'll be expected to shift across the country, move over to the West Coast and go into the office every day or X number of days a week? Yeah. So in like the, you know, recent announcement that you know, is publicly available, we were able to, uh, Salesforce employees, uh, we have a kind of a flex work uh, status. So what that typically means is that, you know, most folks who uh, don't need to come into the office every day, again, I would say those that do need to come in the office every day are maybe mainly like salespeople who are on a bunch of calls or take meetings at the office with people outside external to the company. Um, those people would have to still go into the office every day. But for the majority of folks, uh, they're kind of in this flex uh, category. They can uh, uh, come to the office at most three times a week. So I see myself for the most part still, you know, working from home. Um, but if I need to have any sort of like design sessions or, excuse me, any like uh, uh, critical conversations, perhaps then I could uh, go into the office and have those. But I think for the most part, uh, I'll still be, you know, working remotely, working from home. Okay. Yeah. And do so you there's no expectation. To... Yeah, yeah. To answer like that question, I, I think I guess there's uh, there's not really right now an expectation to to move, but for my own like personal development, uh, I can see myself, you know, shifting out there. Um, what's interesting though, I think after you know the the the, the pandemic. Um, I think that tech hubs and tech culture is going to be quite spread out here in the US. So there's not necessarily like the lo and behold, shining Silicon Valley anymore. I think it's going to be hubs across the country. You look at cities like Austin in Texas, or here even Atlanta, Georgia, I think those are going to be booming places for companies to move into one because it's cheap. And two, because there's great talent here at the, the universities and the industry overall, uh, these cities are doing big. But I think it's also going to just help the spread of uh, technology, uh, jobs and technology across across the country. So 
it's not necessarily going to be, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area, Bay Area that I think companies will grow. And I think that they'll be able to grow honestly from anywhere, I think, after the pandemic. That would be a great outcome, I guess, of, of, of this whole situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have an interesting question for you. Have you encountered um, software bootcamp graduates uh, at, at all in your life or in your workplace? Absolutely, I have. And I have to say that, you know, it comes almost as a shock to me that these people come from, you know, boot camps. And I say that because they have such an amazing outlook and an amazing spirit when it comes to working in technology. And it really is special to see folks come from all different backgrounds, um, you know, having all different types of early career moves but to ultimately land in, in technology. There's something about their, the combination of you know, experiences that they've had that really kind of jump starts uh, from my understanding, like their um, careers here in technology. I think that's very special. And it does, like I cannot emphasize more how much of a shock it comes to me because these people who come from you know, boot camps, they're able to catch on, not only catch on, but also contribute fairly quickly to the company. And, you know, all the bootcamp uh, graduates that I've interfaced with are in senior or higher positions. So again, like it really does come as a shock to me. And it does prove that I think having a traditional four-year undergraduate degree, not to, of course, undermine myself, but I think that is just one path of many uh, one can take into technology. Mm -hmm. It's not the a golden path by any means. It's not the only path by any means. It's just one path. So I think when it comes to, you know, celebrating the diversity that we have in technology, it should also come from a point of of education and experience and not just like who you are, um, who, you know, what you look like, but also where you come from and, and uh, what type of experiences you have. And of course, I mean, all these non-traditional paths are helping um, non-traditional people, you know, start to gain more representation in our industry, right? Absolutely. I think it's it's very critical that, you know, I, I'm very, <laughs> I can't emphasize this enough. Like I'm someone who really thinks technology is, you know, almost, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think it takes a different diverse set of engineers and people to create this amazing technology. So we are, you know, the technology definitely is a product of all of our shared combined experiences and knowledges. And the more diverse that gets, the more accessible and impactful this technology will be. So I'm very, you know, I can talk, you know, for hours about how important that is. You've had a lot of involvement with women in tech initiatives um, at your university. I know you were you were involved there and you are, of course, as we said, a woman in tech yourself. And, you know, on my podcast and like a lot of other people of my generation or in, and generations in between us, you know, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about women in tech. How do we get more women in tech? How do we get more diversity? And, you know, of course it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a problem with society around the world. It's a problem in our industry. We're all trying to make things better and we talk about it a lot, but what's your experience been? Is it is it in a good place now? Is it in a bad place? Have you what sort of experiences have you had? Yeah, I think this is a fantastic question, and happy to talk about this. 
Um, again, I'm going to go back and cite how fortunate I am to be in the position where I am. Not because, oh, thank God someone hired another woman in tech, but more so, you know, thank, I'm here to thank the, uh, you know, pioneers, the women in technology who have taken, you know, great steps and walked miles so that I could run, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's very special to, to look at how far women have come in technology in a place that is, you know, still to this day, very male dominated. But I definitely am fortunate to uh, have, you know, women ahead of me make those moves so that I am able to be in the position that where I am today and where I can also make those moves for future uh, women and girls in technology as well. So, you know, I definitely am very fortunate to say I haven't had a negative experience aside from, of course, sometimes being the only woman in the room or the only woman on the team or the only woman uh, contributing to this particular repository and things like that, uh, code-wise, techni technically-wise. Um, but, you know, it is very encouraging to seeing that I'm just one of many women in technology. I think that is where I really like to take a step back and be like, you know, you might just be, the, you might be the only woman in this call or in this room right now, but you're not the only woman in technology. And I think that is, you know, uh, telling of the progress that that's been that's been made. But no means does that mean, but by, by no means does that indicate that you know the work is done, the work is over. So I really like to do my part when it comes to mentoring other women in technology. So I'm a mentor for rewriting the code. Um, I think that's an, as an amazing organization. If uh, anyone is free to be a mentor, I highly recommend it uh, to work with, you know, college or younger uh, women in technology and really give them advice about career, about life. It was a very special uh, relationship that I've had with my with my mentee. I think that was, you know, still to this day, I talk to her regularly and I think that's very impactful and special. So it really does, you know, got to take things, you know, one relationship at a time, one conversation at a time when it comes to um, adding more representation and diversity here with women in tech. And uh, I think it's also very notable to look at companies who, ha who have inclusive and diverse hiring practices. Um, you know, so it tells just a lot about the company based on not only their statistics, but what are their trends over time? You know, how have they been making up for the, the big gap of women in technology. So looking into things like that, I think, and celebrating that is very, very notable. Um, but I, you know, I will say that what's really special, I kind of keep going back to why Salesforce feels like home is that when I was an intern, uh, my manager, my trail guide and my team lead, they were all women engineers. And that was, you know, very special for me to see. And I was definitely in a place where I felt very empowered. And, you know, in those times, I wasn't the only woman on, in a, on a call or in the room. And I think that, you know, that's the kind of golden, or sorry, the North Star, if you will, that, you know, we see more equality happening in those conversations of building technology, of building the next greatest, you know, product. I think that's all very meaningful and it's honestly, I feel just a matter of time before that gap gets closed, but that doesn't mean that we can sit back and hit uh, just cruise. We definitely have to, you know, go hard at uh, making these initiatives, making that those numbers happen. It's wonderful to hear that your experiences have been positive and there's so much uh, uh, wonderful opportunities for you and um, 
Uh, I echo what you say, you know, things are moving in the right direction and we can't be complacent about it. We've got to keep things moving. Yes. And it's, of course, not only about women, it's about diverse people from all backgrounds and all walks of life, right? As, as you say Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. So finally, tell me about your podcast. This is, this is a pretty interesting one. I really love, I really love the theme you have going. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, giving it a shout out. Um, this podcast has been a project in the making for some time, and I definitely have lots and lots of room for improvement on it and with it. Um, but the basic gist of it is having conversations and uh, shedding some light on topics that really combine humanity and technology. So I kind of like to think of it as a nice uh, Black Mirror-esque mm -hmm. uh, podcast, um, mm -hmm. where I ta do talk about a lot of technologies and the impacts that they're having. So I've uh, talked a bit, bit about algorithmic bias and uh, election technology, specifically here in the US, and having conversations. I'm actually having a sub-series of health and technology. So having explored all these different uh, areas and uh, territories of technology and how they've brought us together, how they've lifted us up, but also how they're starting or have been dividing us. Um, I think that's also important to, to note. I'm, I'm not calling out specific technologies, but uh, it, when it comes to like the dark side, I think it, there's just overarching themes uh, in technology that we should be aware of and, and conscious of, you know, minimizing when it comes to putting that net good out in the world. Um, so I'm excited to see where this podcast grows. Uh, and it's very exciting to work with, you know, uh, up and coming podcasters like yourself. So um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity for giving this shout out and uh, definitely shameless plug here, but uh, definitely go check it out. It's on all platforms. It's called Cut the Code. And it's very good. I really loved the last episode that you did, uh, which was uh, um, around health tech. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I like your angle, you know, the, the kind of um, the black mirror uh, approach, you know, and the crossover with humanity and tech. I just Thank think you. you need to do more of them. I think they're really interesting <laughs> and they're really well, well. No, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely have some in the works. Uh, it's just, again, getting back to that, you know, balance of just being a bit more proactive with that project. Um, I definitely want to take it to, to the next level, uh, one day, if not so, you know, sooner than later. So just having more and mm -hmm. more like conversations and, and just investing more of my time there. It's, you know, I've, I've just heard, you know, great feedback and, uh, definitely want to keep that going. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. uh, that's cut the, cut the code. People should definitely yes. check that out. Um, and, uh, do you have a Twitter or Instagram people can follow you on? Yeah, I do have a Twitter. Uh, it's my first and last name, Nikila Rajput underscore. You can follow me on Twitter. Um, I don't have an Instagram. That's where I, that's where I differ myself from other people in my generation. Um, I will after okay. probably do an episode of why I think like Instagram is a bit toxic, but Twitter, Twitter is not as toxic. I mean, it can be, but uh, I think Twitter. There's a lot of uh, awesome content and just. I've learned so much on the platform. So I'm very interested in platforms where I can learn things like Twitter and Reddit. But of course, you have to, you got to take things, uh, you got to do research behind of like why, what you're reading. I think that's also really important. So that's why I try to stay away from Instagram and Facebook for the most part. That will be an interesting one. I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts on Instagram and Facebook. 
Nikita, thank you very much for your time. This has been amazing. Thanks for your fabulous insights and uh, uh, taking us along uh, your journey. Thanks so much, Sanj, for you know giving me this platform to speak. And you know, I wish you the best. Wish this podcast podcast the best. And I can't wait to hear your future episodes. And that's all, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in. For more info, for questions, comments, or feedback, please head on over to aheadintech.com and don't forget to subscribe.